Welcome to Closing Day. This podcast is for anyone looking to get into their very first home. The steps to buying a property are complicated. How much house can I afford? Where do I start? Should I just rent for the rest of my life? Hear from industry experts and get the answers. If you're looking to purchase your first home, you are in the right place. This podcast will help you get closer to closing day. In this episode, we interview Paul Sion. Paul is a realtor and attorney based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. We specifically talk about new home construction for first-time home buyers, how does it all work, and what should you be watching out for. We talk about having an attorney on your team and whether or not that's necessary as a first-time home buyer. We talk about home warranties, we talk about inspections, so really cover a lot of great topics with Paul. He was a true expert, so it was really great to talk to him. Enjoy the episode and let us know if you have any questions. Hey everyone, welcome back to Closing Day. We are here today with our guest, Paul Sion. Paul is a realtor, attorney out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Paul, welcome to the program. Glad to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, in our sort of pre-questionnaire, you would answer some questions and we, we sometimes like to hear sort of the horror story of the first time home buyer, home buying experience, even when we talk to experts in the industry. And um, while it may not have been a uh, like a horror story, you talk about new home construction. And I thought for those listening today, we're, we're going to jump into that. I, I'm, I'm really curious about that. But maybe first, if you could just sort of walk our listeners through how you got started in real estate and what your background is. And have you always been in real estate or, or what did you do before uh, you got involved? Sure. Actually, I'm an attorney as well. I'm licensed in Ohio and Michigan. Uh, yeah. Originally, all my schooling was done in Michigan, uh, undergraduate, uh, University of Michigan, and then did law school there at uh, University of Detroit. So while I was in law school, uh, my mom knew a local broker over there and said, well, you know, why don't you go get your real estate license, work with him, you'll at least get some hands-on experience that, you know, that you could translate easy to, to the legal side. So I did that, got licensed in Michigan. I was probably licensed in Michigan for about eight, nine years. Uh, was active like first initially, and then once, once I graduated law school, I kind of dove more into the law and let the uh, real estate uh, license side kind of just sit, sit idle for a while. Yeah. Then uh, moved down here to Cincinnati area for a job, you know, changed, uh, kind of changed focus with working for the, uh, the government at the time. And then uh, I was also a military reserve. I was an army reservist. And then once I got out of that, I like, uh, I let my Michigan license go. I was licensed to real estate agent in Michigan, let that license go. And then, uh, you know, 2014, I was like, yeah, I'd like to keep myself busy. So I was out of the military, had some extra time and then dove back in and got my uh, Ohio and Kentucky licenses. Yeah. And what interested you in real estate? I just had that initial exposure there during law school was, uh, was interesting. And then coming back, I guess what really kind of pushed me into it is when we, we bought, this was our second house, the agent kind of, you know, wasn't, wasn't the best of agents and kind mm -hmm. of felt pushed into the buying the purchase. I mean, while the responsibility is still ours, but I think she could have did a better job. And my thought was, well, Hey, I could, I could do a better job. So why don't I go back in and, you know, really to help people as well too, since, you know, I kind of, understand a little more having that legal background, how the contracts work and, yeah. you know, able to kind of guide the, guide the people, uh, you know, guide buyers and, and sellers on the right path. That's interesting. While most people maybe follow, follow a career because they have a great experience, you sort of took the opposite approach. Like, Hey, this was a not so great experience and I think I could do it way better. So kudos yeah, exactly. to you for, yeah. yeah, thinking about that. 
I know I worked in higher ed for a while and I, we talked to a lot of people going into healthcare who had just great experiences with nurses or doctors. And so very rarely did I hear, yeah, I had a terrible nurse, which makes me want to become a nurse. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned uh, the, you know, that you served in the military. Yes. Um, can you talk about maybe how that's impacted uh, your approach to real estate, if at all, or how, how that transition was going from sort of this very structured environment to the wild west that is real estate? Yeah, but in the, even in the military too, you've, you've got your, your moments of structure where, you know, it's the, one of the common sayings, I'm sure a lot of people in the military know is hurry up and wait. You know, and then uh, when you're waiting there, it is, you know, less, less structured. And as long as everybody's behaving, nobody's going to really look at you, you know, crosswise. But uh, sure. so the military, I mean, I, when I was in the military, re- most of my career was a reservist. And so those, you, you know, you've got your one week in the month and a couple weeks, sometimes during the year, usually during the summer. Uh, I was on active duty for a year. And then uh, for that year, half of the year, I was in the, what they call the uh, administrative law. And that's more like dealing with like uh, contracts and, uh, you know, uh, management, sorry, not management, contract negotiations. Okay. And then the- uh, Sure, that was helpful. Yes, yes. And then the second half was uh, legal assistance. And that's where you're actually dealing with consumers, you know, one-on-one, you know, basically soldiers, their spouses, their family members, if they have an issue, you know, it could be anything from, you know, they're late on a credit card payment, you know, give, give them some advice on, on how to deal with it, uh, you know, or somebody- sold them a car, it turned out to be a lemon, what, what should they do? So it yeah. was more, you know, one-on-one interactions with the, uh, with the, uh, the soldiers or the soldiers' spouses just to kind of help them out. And so that kind of gave me a good, uh, you know, good background, good basis, you know, just for sitting down one-on-one and just kind of chatting, kind of, you know, drawing down, drilling down to the, uh, to the nature of the problem. Totally. Yeah, that sounds like really relevant experience, which one might not have guessed, just being going from the two, so. Yeah, that's really cool. So let's talk new home construction. How's that for a pivot? Sure. Military yeah. service to new home construction, <laughs> flawless, seamless. Yeah, exactly. It's a good, uh, it's a good it's segue. A, it's a work in progress here, Paul, you know, the closing yeah. day uh, podcast, but we have fun. Uh, so let's talk new home construction. And for somebody just getting started out, first time home buyer, you know, new home construction, at least in my mind, in what I've heard just anecdotally, doesn't seem to be a an option that a lot of first-time home buyers are weighing in their in their decision. So, can you talk about your decision to go new new home construction and maybe define what that means? Is that buying a plot of land? Is that working with a developer? And how do you work with the developer? So, kind of start us from sort of step one, or maybe even step zero for our listeners. Yeah, step zero. I mean, going back to my my experience at the time, I was out of real estate for a while. I was an attorney, but I was still uh, at that time. I would consider myself very une- inexperienced in terms of the real estate. Yeah. So we were, my wife and I were living in an apartment. Uh, you know, first child was on the way, so I was like, okay, let's get a house. We had looked at houses originally, and now looking at it, you know, going back, I probably would have reversed it rather than getting into new construction. I probably would have just bought an existing house. But uh, you know, looked at the house, we found a decent entry-level starter uh, builder local to our area and it was just a brand new development so you know we go in you know you sit down one-on-one with an agent Uh, the agent represents the builder and she just kind of takes you through you know here here are your different model options you know this this in this case is uh, you can go you know basically like you mentioned earlier you can buy a plot of land go go find a builder find a developer and then have them build that house for you so that's that's a little more complicated because there's a lot more 
choices, more selections involved by yeah. the by the buyer. Some more our, decisions to be made at that stage. It's could be tough. Exactly. Ours is more like, you know, you almost call those cookie cutter homes. Okay. So they had, I think they had four or five plans, uh, basically the layouts of, of the house and you just pick which plan you, you know, worked best for you. And then you go from there. And so then you, you select your finishes, you select your cabinets, uh, you know, you upgrade mm -hmm. certain, certain features, you know, if you want, you know, your basic cabinets, your laminated cabinets versus, you know, granite countertops. And, oh, okay. You know, then you could uh, customize, um, you know, they could, they would add things like if you wanted ceiling fans, you know, they would kind of, basically it's almost like a, you know, you're going to a car dealership and you want, you want to add certain options. So similar, yeah. similar situation, you know, what do you, what do you want in terms of your heating and cooling system? What do you want in terms of your, you know, what kind of windows and you know, what kind of doors? And so what's, you know, if the base model is X, can you spend three X in those upgrades or is it sort of somewhere in between? It, yeah, I guess it depends on the development. In this case, it was a, this neighborhood we were going in was strictly like first time home buyers, you know, you know, entry level home buyers. Yeah. So the pricing was, you know, you had limits in your pricing, you know, the sky wasn't the limit in this case, you know, you could go all out and get, you know, the top of the line, everything that they have, but that would still keep you within range. And the, the, the builder themselves was trying to kind of keep it in a nice price range. They didn't want to go you know, from say a hundred thousand dollar house to a half a million dollar house in the same neighborhood. Right. Because then you run into issues with, you know, the buyers who want a half a million dollar house obviously don't want to live in the same neighborhood where there's a hundred thousand dollar house because the values there won't support each other. You know, whereas if all the houses are $500,000 houses, they kind of support each other. Yeah. So can you explain that a little bit for folks supporting each other? What does that, what does that mean? Sure. Yeah. We, <clears throat> excuse me, as a uh, real estate agents, we do that, uh, comparative market analysis. So when we go into you know, a neighborhood, a uh, seller wants to sell their house. So we kind of analyze, you know, what are the existing homes selling for in the neighborhood? So if it's a large neighborhood, the very, they're very similar homes, you know, similar bedroom counts, similar bathroom counts, and the similar in value that, that lends to each other. So, you know, you've got a house that's, you know, directly across from me, that's, you know, worth $300,000. The one next to it is worth $300,000. Like the whole neighborhood is you know, similar in price, similar in, in, uh, in design, quality, and character, then it's, it's easier to kind of you know, determine the price and those prices kind of support each other. Each house has, you know, when you're wanting to buy that $300,000 house, you know, you're not going to go to a house, uh, another neighborhood where there's just $100,000 houses. Yeah. Because then you, what you're ending up doing is you're buying the most expensive house in the neighborhood versus, you know, where all the other neighborhood, neighbor, neighboring houses are $300,000 that's, uh, you know, your common ground, you know, everybody's paying the same thing. Everybody's in the same, uh, type of, uh, housing situation. So nothing's really Got kind it. of getting out of range there. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for that. So the new home construction. So, yeah. So it sounds like it wasn't from step zero, which was, okay, we've identified this plot of land that we like. Now we have to come up with some plans. It was, it was more, here's a plan that already exists for you. And was the home already built when you went and looked at it or they, they had kind of like a starter home? I guess they yeah. couldn't have been built. They had a starter home that you look at. and They had a or, mo or model, model home. home. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They had a model home and then they had a few other homes that were building. So that we did get to select. So they, they already had like a, you know, I think 20, 30 lots carved out already drawn out already and improved by the, uh, the municipality. So mm -hmm. you basically get to pick, you know, out of those one through 30 lots, so let's say, you know, you can go pick, you know, okay, I want lot number 27 because it's, it had woods in the back. 
you know, and it, it's not at a intersection, so you're not gonna get a lot of traffic or whatnot. So you can pick that sense. Uh, a lot of builders will do, they will add premiums to the land too, depending on like if it has a walkout feature mm. or if it's, you know, it is more in a private, more secluded area, then they can add a little bit of premium to those, to those lots. Got it. Just because, you know, that they're more in demand. So people, yeah. you know, people are willing to pay more. They'll pay a little more for it. Makes sense. And when you go under contract on a, on a new home like that, this might be a funny question, but there's no home inspection or anything like that. It just, is it a home warranty that sort of secures you or makes sure that when you move in and a pipe bursts that like, Oh man, I should have gotten that looked at. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, you don't have to get a home inspection, uh, even on a, on a traditional purchase. Yeah. I've got a lot of uh, home inspectors I work with and you know, the one, one of my home inspectors, he says, even on new construction, he would recommend it. Really? No, oh, that's a good tip. You do get uh, a one-year home warranty and uh, the home inspector's point is even if you get that one-year home warranty, you know, he'll come out the first time and point out things like, Hey, you know, there's this missing. I mean, he went literally went into this half million dollar uh, development, half million dollar home and pointed out to the, you know, to the, uh, one of the, people buying the house, like, Hey, did you notice this tile here in the bathroom? If you don't look at it in the right light, you know, the, depending on how the light is, it looked okay. But then when you shine them really looked closely, you could see they were different shades. Huh. So the tile guy had, you know, probably just emptied one box and grabbed the next box without really paying close attention. And so they were, it was a slight mismatch, but yeah. you know, in the end, the buyer brought that up to the builder and the builder had to kind of go back and uh, make repairs on that. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay. And another benefit to the this home inspector same same uh, same thing shared is that you know before your one year warranty is up you know call them thirty to sixty days before that one year warranty up have them do a whole home inspection that way then you have you know they'll give you a list of everything that's wrong or that needs repairing you can go back to the builder and say hey I'm still under warranty I need you to fix all these these things that's a great idea what now the critique of some of those warranties is you know kind of oh well you know you know warranties they sort of say well, that's not covered or have you found good, you know, in your experience is a home warranty sort of worth the investment? I guess if they give one to you, of course, accept it. But ordinarily, is that something that you recommend buyers of, you know, just older homes buy? Yeah, there's, I guess there's two different things. You've got the, you know, new construction that you're getting a home, like a builder warranty. So they're, they're warranting their, their build quality from, you know, day one to today, 365. Mm-hmm. So in that in that case, that's the builders, you know, their personal guarantee that you know if the siding blows off or if you know the furnace starts acting up, they'll come out and they'll they'll take a look at it and they'll fix it under that. Then you have your you know home warranties from like you're saying an existing house, where you know you buy it and it covers your plumbing or it covers your furnace. You know suddenly the you know six months in the furnace dies. Most new first-time home buyers aren't ready to to deal with such an expense since they've already come up with a down payment. They had to pay all the closing costs. Probably had to buy new furniture. You know, move into you know pay for the moving costs. Suddenly, you know, hey, you got you know four or five thousand dollars you got to pay on a on a new furnace. You know that that could be a big big bite and hard to mm-hmm. hard to t- uh, stomach. But with uh, with the home warranty, actually, that would uh, you know they would cover you in that situation. And I've seen cases where. You know, the, the furnace went out, the water heater went out, and if it was a good home warranty company, they came in and said, okay, we, we'll get you a new one. Yeah. I might be sold on a home warranty. You might have just <laughs> sold me. Uh, 
So Paul, you are also an attorney or you maybe attorney first, realtor second. Is that how you would describe yourself? Uh, I guess it depends on the day, on the day okay. of the week. It depends on the day. Sure. <laughs> we'll yeah. say uh, attorney slash realtor. And for folks out there sort of trying to build their team, thinking about, I need a realtor. I also might need an attorney. Uh, do folks need both on their team when they're first starting out? Should they have both? I would say not necessarily. Uh, most yeah. of the time, the you know, as long as you're working with a, you know an agent who's been working for a while in the field, a lot of times they have access to legal help them, themselves too. Yeah. Uh, in, here in Ohio and Kentucky, our title companies, most of them, while they some, most actually, at least the local ones around me, a lot of them are owned by by attorneys. They own the title companies, and so when it comes to the title work you know, making sure the deed is right, then yeah, there's an attorney available there. And you, know, mm -hmm. you could probably even reach out to the title company and say, I have XYZ question. Can you help me out with, uh, you know, with this? And they might have the legal expertise to do that. Oh, cool. So assuming the, know. You know, yeah, assuming the, the transaction is smooth, then, you know, I would say, no, you really don't need an attorney when you're starting to get more complicated things when they, you know, investment real estate or, mm -hmm. you know, there's, you know, or something goes south on the deal, you know, the, you know, the buyers say, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm walking away or the seller says, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, they, they decide they're going to sell it to somebody else when you're on your contract. Yeah. Then right. ends the time to uh, start talking with them, getting legal advice. Makes sense. Um, well, Paul, I think it might be time for the segment that we usually ask every guest the same few questions. Uh, we sure. call it closing time. And uh, first question, what would be one piece of advice that you would have for anybody starting out new in real estate, first time home buyers, they're renting right now, maybe they're living in you know, their grandparents' basement, um, but they're ready to get started, but they don't know where to start. What would be the first step? What would, be, what, what would you recommend or what would be that first step for somebody looking to go from renting to owning? I think you, you put it best as you know, building your team. So get your mm -hmm. You know, the primary, get your primary team members is get your real estate agent and get a lender involved. Uh, everybody should be going with, uh, you know, getting pre-approved so that way you know, you know, what you can afford. Or if you're still in that process where you're not ready to buy yet, then that lender usually has access to, you know, credit programs that can, you know, take a look at your credit, take a look at your, you know, debt and income and kind of say, okay, you're in a perfect position to get a loan or, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you're going to be in a better position to do a loan. You're, you're going to save more money on your, your interest rate, save more money on your costs. So that's, uh, that's a, get, you know, get your team together, get your, your real estate agent, you know, and get your lender. A lot of times, you know, real estate agents network with lenders and vice versa. Lenders network with real estate agents. So once mm -hmm. you have either one or the other on board, usually, you know, they'll, they'll give you suggestions for the, for the other person that uh, you're still, still haven't gotten, to around, gotten around you yet. Yeah, good tip. Um, a book on financial literacy or a book on saving or even investing or real estate that you might recommend for folks that are interested in learning more about this whole thing, everything under the umbrella of real estate? I don't know that, uh, from my personal perspective, I, I, you know, I don't know I can recommend any particular books. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the financial websites, bankrate.com is a very good one that, you know, they, okay. give, they have mortgage calculators, they kind of give you advice on, you know, saving money, just, you know, I think probably the best source is Google, you know, how can I save yeah. up for down payments? And, you know, how can I, you know, uh, how can I get ready for a mortgage? You know, what's, what, what, what documents do I need? There's a lot of articles out there 
I'm an active blogger myself too. And so I know I publish well, a lot of articles, uh, you know, first home, first time home buyers that, you know, here's, here's, here's the steps you need, you know, especially if yeah. you can find a lender or a local, uh, local lender or a local realtor who can help you out with that, you know, who's got a blog article on that and they might be your go-to resource because not only have they put something in writing for you, but then, you know, most of them are pretty ready for you to, when you reach out to them personally, they'll, they'll you know, get uh, step over, you know, or I shouldn't say step over, but uh, make sure your needs are met. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. You know, we've, we've heard on some previous podcasts that sort of first time home buyers are sometimes, you know, the less desirable for an experienced realtor, but there's so many of, there's so many of them out there yeah, uh, yeah. that, that are just hungry for this information and looking for somebody reliable, trustworthy, and dependable to, to help them out. So find that team member. I think that's great advice. Exactly. Um, what about myths? Do you, do you hear any myths about real estate that you hear over and over and think, where did that come from? Why do first time home buyers believe this? Or why is that still a perpetuating belief in, in real estate? Uh, I guess myth, the biggest myth I've seen is, you know, that, you know, you can go, go to any, any open house and, you know, you find a house you like and, you know, go ahead and make an offer and they'll accept it. Mm. You know, the big, the big myth is there is that, yeah, they'll accept it without, you know, any question, you know, or they're not going to look any deeper. But most yeah. sellers case, most sellers who are, you know, even if it's a for sale by owner uh, it's even, and, or if it's, you know, represented by an agent, you know, the first question they're going to ask, is this person pre-approved? If they're not yeah. pre-approved, then, you know, if I'm, if I'm representing the seller, I was like, well, they made an offer. They are, they are pre-approved. What, you know, are they even, have they even talked to a lender? Right. Can they, they for this home? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is, you know, especially in this, uh, this age time frame. I mean, mortgage rates are cheap. You know, they, they're still giving the, you know, mortgages are still pretty easy to qualify for, Yeah. you know, in terms of your, your income and credit. So, you know, the, I've uh, went to a session today too, where I think they were giving mortgage loans to as low as 580 credit. So a lot of people are wow. eligible to qualify, but that doesn't mean, you know, if you haven't gone through that pre-approval process, you don't know what you can afford, what you can buy, you know, so that, that kind of limits you then, then too, when you, when you go into that house and say, Hey, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to make that purchase. Yes. Um, Paul, how can people learn more about you? How, where can they find you? You mentioned blogging. Let's, uh, let's make sure to include that in this podcast. Where can they read some of what you're writing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, my, uh, you can find my website at realcincy.com. That's R E A L C I N C Y.com. Cool. So uh, that takes all my social media profiles are there. So anytime I publish a blog, I'm, I'm sharing on Facebook, sharing on LinkedIn and Twitter. Great. And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, my, I've got email address there, phone number there. So if anybody wants to shoot me an email, send me a text or even just, you know, call up and chat for a few minutes, I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk. Great. Realcincy.com. We'll make sure to link those up in the show notes and on our YouTube video here. Appreciate Um, it. Paul, was there anything we didn't ask you that you were hoping that we would ask you about? Like, oh, Kyle, why didn't you ask me about this? No, not really. I think we okay. covered quite a bit. So, I, you know, I'm happy uh, you invited me and it's been a great, uh, great talk. Hey, thanks a ton. We really appreciate it. I think people will learn just a ton about new home construction, about building their team and uh, some really good tactics in there. We, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the home warranty. I thought that was a really cool, cool tip. And then also uh, bringing in an inspector on a new home construction. I would have never really thought about doing that, but you gave some great great arguments as to why you might think about that. So thank you, Paul, for all your insights. Thank you. Thank you as well. Cool.